Right. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're in Acts chapter 4. We're starting in verse 23. If you have your Acts journals, that's on page at the bottom of page 24 and into page 26. Now, last week, uh, Peter and John just kind of got got bludgeoned by the religious leaders of their time. And I can't imagine the weight of being in that situation where these, where these leaders were supposed to be the people who were leading you in your faith, people you looked up to. But to be in that position and have them say, you can't talk about this Jesus you've experienced anymore, I can't imagine the weight of being in that situation and saying, you do you, but I'm going to keep talking about Jesus. Like In my mind, I, I think... I think I would step up and say that, but would I really, like in that moment, if I were there? Uh, so I love, I love Peter's story, and if you're familiar with it, last time he was confronted about Jesus, he denied him three times. If you go back this week, Luke chapter 22 gives the exchange between Jesus and, and Luke, and Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times, and Luke goes, no, not me, I wouldn't do that. But then he does. Jesus says, you're going to fail miserably, but after you fail, you're going to come back to me and you're going to grow and encourage this church mightily. And I don't want to miss that today. Um, I don't think that I have outwardly denied Christ in front of others, but I have missed an opportunity to share Jesus on many occasions because I get nervous or because I feel like I don't have the words to say. And so that's an encouragement that, that of the heart of Jesus that, even when we mess up or we miss an opportunity, that God can still use us to encourage and to build up the church. And so uh, with that, let's go to uh, Acts 4, starting in 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of David, mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do these Gentiles rage? And the people's plot in vain. The kings and the earth of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, they placed, uh, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. So to recap what happened up to this point, right? Layman is healed, gospel is preached, thousands are saved, religious leaders are offended, men are taken into custody. Now, they wanted to punish these guys and make them, wanted to silence them by force, but the crowds are being moved so significantly by what Jesus has done and, and watching him and his life and his testimony that to punish these guys would have caused riots, would have caused them to you know, shut down highways and stuff. Um, so, like, you're going to punish this guy for healing a layman, these guys for healing a layman, but the healing wasn't the issue. The issue was the healer, right? The, the evidence right in front of their eyes that Jesus is this Messiah that they've been preaching, that they've been waiting for, the evidence was incredible. 
But they couldn't stop for a second to believe that it might be true. Because to accept Jesus as who he is meant that they lost all their power, meant that they meant that it had to tear down everything that they had built up. Right? So they instead they wanted to silence these guys and make fools of anybody who wanted to speak the name of Jesus. And it's funny because this is kind of the environment we live in today, right? Like the hostile environment that the church has always existed in. There are those who are moved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus, and there are those who are offended by Jesus to the point that they would mock and make fools of anyone who would make much of him. So then we find ourselves in this full, this pull, excuse me, to keep our faith quiet, right? Like you don't, you don't talk about religion or politics. So do we, do we stay silent? Um, or are we so rooted in the gospel, so sold out for Jesus that we are willing to risk maybe a social status, maybe friendships, um, maybe the way people interact with us differently because we know and because we share Jesus and this, this gets to me because I'm 100% a people pleaser. Like, I want people to like me. It's a pull. Um, we want people to like us. And that's okay. That's an okay thing. We don't always want to look like a religious nut job, right? And it's okay until it causes you to sell out. Until you choose not to share the gospel when you've been called to. The tendency, our tendency is, is to water down the gospel, to make Jesus more palatable. We try to make him look prettier so more people will accept him. But God doesn't need you to make him look more beautiful. He doesn't need you to make him look good. He is good when he engages you, when he comes to you where you're at, right where you're at. And he says, you are trying to take control of your life. You're sitting on the throne of your life, and that's not your seat. That's mine. You make a terrible God. You can't fix yourself, right? Like he is good when he comes at us. And he says, in, in the midst of our sin, he says, I have so much more for you. Come to me and I'll give you rest. But to some, that's offensive. Because that means that God might lead them someplace they don't want to go. It means God might say, it's time to stop doing this and they're not ready to. So to some, Jesus is offensive. But to not share the parts of God that are most beautiful because they're also the most offensive is cruel not gracious. It is cruel to meet you where you're at and leave you there. That's not what Jesus does. That's not the God we serve. There's a scary couple of verses in, in John chapter 12. It says, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, him being Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So they would not be put in, out of their synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. These men believed in Jesus, but didn't want to make it known because it meant that there will be social consequences. But there are always consequences for convictions. Maybe you won't get invited over. Maybe you won't get a promotion. Maybe people might feel uncomfortable. But the minute that we allow others' perceptions to be more important than pleasing God, it reveals who your God really is. And it's foolish to think that we can play both sides you got to pick one. So then how do we live in a world that is increasingly hostile? Well, that's, that's where Acts chapter 4 picks up uh, in, in 23. Right? When they were released, they went with their friends. They reported what had happened 
Uh, And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the seas and everything in them. There's this mutual understanding. There's this, uh, what Pastor Patrick says all the time, what's your why? If your why is big enough, the how is going to follow, right? So what is the why that these guys were able to band together with one mind, with one heart? Not just guys, women too, thousands of them at this point. What was that one driving force that, truth that girded everything that they did and that truth was that their lives as christians the purpose of their lives as christians was to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth right the great commission that teaching that jesus left them with matthew 28 19 the purpose of your life church as a christian is to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth the purpose of your life is not to have a happy family it is not to have a good job or a great marriage the uh, those are Awesome things to work for. God wants you to work at those things. He put you in those relationships. He gave you that family, whether you like them or not. He put you in that job, not for the purpose. That is not the purpose of your life. That is a vessel in which to bring the gospel out. I'm getting all excited here. So to to them, to to the disciples... This truth, this mindset, they were so sold out to that to back away from that teaching that Jesus gave them was uh, that the, to back away from that teaching that Jesus gave them that was so offensive to the culture was to say that the creator of the heaven and the earth and everything in it doesn't know what's best for creation. Creation knows what's best for creation, and that's just madness. Right? When the created man can speak more loudly into our lives than the creator God, we're a fool. It's step one to live out our call as Christians in a hostile world is to go to God and call him out for what he is. Right? To let him know that we know that he is God and we are not. Sovereign the Lord, the sovereign God, that's the absolute authority. He knows all things. He's working everything together so we can more fully realize how much confidence we have when we know that we're in the will of the God who's in control of it all. Right? And they go on in, in verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his, against his anointed. This is an old uh, Old Testament reference back to uh, Psalm 2, a Psalm of David. Now, at this time, they only had the Old Testament, and they didn't have Bibles in their homes. They didn't have the scripture at the end of, at their fingertips. They didn't have cell phones, right? They had to go to the temple to hear the word of God. They would have had to keep all of the scripture, everything that they've learned and heard. They would have to memorize it. Um, so step two to, to living your life in a hostile world is knowing the scriptures. They treasured holding scripture in their heart. And, and we kind of fall into this trap of because we have Bibles at our access, because we can Pinterest search encouraging Bible words or Bible verses, we don't commit them to memory. They are calling on the faithfulness of God. They're recalling the stories of God being faithful before and faithful to David do we have scripture in our heart that we can recall at a moment's notice? And remember, if he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. So Psalm 2 is, is a psalm of David. He's crying out, and, and David, has, David has been anointed king by God. God has promised that the Messiah will come through his family, yet he is surrounded by enemies with absolutely no way out. 
But he knows God has promised him something, and we know he's going to have a victory. We've read the stories, but he's living in it in the moment. He has yet to see that promise fulfilled. And so in the same way, this early church is crying out. They're recalling Psalm 2, and they're crying out to God, saying in, in verse 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, who you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So when we serve a sovereign God, there are no surprises. He is not surprised by any of this. He's not thrown off by Herod and Pilate killing his son. He's not surprised by his the Jewish people rising up against him. He's not surprised by the animosity of the Gentiles. Like They're doing what God had ordained for them to do. And not, there's not one detail in history that is not directed with all wisdom and sovereignty by God. But he uses what we mean for evil, and he uses it for good. Verse 29, And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice what they didn't pray for. They didn't pray for the persecution to stop. They didn't pray for the bad guys to get locked up. They didn't pray for safety. They didn't pray for comfort. They prayed for the faithfulness to witness with confidence and boldness to advance the kingdom. They prayed in direct disobedience to what the religious rulers had called, and they asked God to do that, which got them in trouble in the first place. Right? They expected God to show up and validate the gospel, to validate who Jesus was and who they were healing uh, and in whose name they were healing. They surrendered their life to the will of the creator, not to the will of their comfort. It is okay to pray for comfort in times of need. But in those times when people are coming up against us, there's doubt or there's fear. And sometimes the biggest doubt and the biggest fear is in our own minds. And we need to speak and pray boldness into that. There's higher praying that we can be doing in those moments. Praying for the advancement of the gospel, for the honor of Christ to be made known. If danger comes, pray for boldness to speak the truth anyway. When there's hardship, pray that we would be able to adjust accordingly so that we could advance the gospel further. The highest prayers that we pray should not be for our kids. It shouldn't be for our comfort. They should be for the advancement of the kingdom. The call on your life is to advance the gospel in the place that you are. And then watch as he stretches out his hand and he heals and wonders are performed in his name because he said he will. And he's a God of his word. Now, most of us probably won't experience the persecution like the first century church did, but we will experience and come up against things that we hadn't planned, things that we probably wouldn't have chosen. So remember in those moments that sovereign Lord, the creator of heaven and earth and all things in it, and pray that he will use those things that come up in our lives to advance the gospel, not just keep our comfort. And then we have to decide if we'll be part of his movement or be a part of the crowd that misses it. Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So God answers their prayer, and they feel it. They see him. Uh, this isn't like a second baptism. It's not like 
tiered of Holy Spirit power, but there is a flow that happens. There's an increase that happens when we invite the Holy Spirit in. There's an increase that happens when we ask for boldness and God fills us with that. Um, People will always respond to the gospel. Not everybody will respond, but there will always be some that respond, and that should fill us with boldness to want to speak the name of Jesus all the more because we know the purpose of our life is to advance the gospel. And we know that the world will try to stop us, and we know that Satan is trying to stop us. He's distracting us and, and turning us inward to our own, in our own hearts. Um, the hostile environment around us will try to stop us. Our desire to please people will try to stop us. But those are the same battles that the early church faced. And that the church that couldn't be stopped then is still the church that can't be stopped now. right? Not when God's purpose is the purpose that drives everything that we do here. Not when we are a church that locks arms together to advance the gospel. Not when we are a church that prays for all boldness and then we step out and walk in it. Let's be that church. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, you created the heavens and the earth and all things in it, God, and we just, we get to be a part of the story that you are writing for our good and for your glory. God, I thank you for this church. God, we just ask you to fill us with all boldness that we could walk out of this place and that we could share how good you are. God, I thank you for each one sitting here, that you meet us where we are. And in your goodness, you don't leave us there. God, but you always have a way. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this morning and this time together. In your name we pray. Amen.